Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. Touchdown for McMillan. Got a run on the shoe tops. An eight-yard strike from Penix to Jalen McMillan. I had some people last year uh, called me a Pac-12 homer because I put Michael Penix Jr. on my Heisman ballot. Uh, I think he's a, a fair bet to end up there again this season. His coach, Kalen DeBoer, joining us, University of Washington football coach. Uh, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me on today. You bet. The Kraken. Everybody's talking about the Kraken up there in Seattle, aren't they? Yeah, it's been pretty exciting. Uh, I can't say I was uh, a huge hockey fan. I've never been to an NHL game before coming here, but I've been to multiple games this year, and uh, it's kind of my family even got involved too. So it's fun. Uh, it got uh, got exciting here towards uh, the last week or two. You know, we've had you on the show a few times. I think when you were at Fresno State, we had you on a couple times in uh, last season at Washington uh, for Pac-12 Media Day. But, you know, I'm I'm interested in, you know, how that first year, how much of a blur does that feel like? How does it? How much more settled in do you feel now versus maybe a year ago? Yeah, I think, um, you know, you can, you can uh, you know, be a head coach. Uh, you can be a coordinator. I think where, wherever you're at in the years of experience is, is is definitely helpful, you know, when it comes to being efficient and and knowing what the priorities are. But uh, I think there's always something to go into into your first year wherever you're at, you know, uh, the practice schedules and just uh, the the different things, uh, logistics and all that that come into play. Um, I mean, I, I know what we're doing right now in May and how much further we are ahead in planning not just the summer, but even the fall, you know, fall camp and, and looking at some things even in the season, you know, and we're, we're quite a bit ahead uh, in that regard, you know, just in our planning. So it is easier, um, but uh, you just can never take anything for granted. You got to be really thorough. Um, that's what I've learned. I think in, in all the years of coaching is uh, each year is its own year, you know, and you got to pay special attention to those details. You know, it's uh, I relate to that. I finish a show and I go, hey, that was a pretty good show. And then I go, it doesn't mean anything. Tomorrow I got to do it again. And right. you, you, you right. start over every season. The stakes must feel sky high. But you had to feel pretty good about 11 and 2. Like, I, did you look back? Did you did you enjoy that maybe during the bowl week or at the end of the season? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, uh, in that little break uh, there in December um, before the bowl, um, really kind of looking back and, um, realizing, you know, what had been accomplished and, and how far we'd come in just, uh, you know, really over a calendar year. So um, finishing off uh, with the bowl win uh, was huge just for the momentum and everything that carried us into this off season. And uh, the guys are, you know, again, just like I'm saying, not taking anything for granted, they're, they're doing that as well. You know, the work they're putting in supports the goals they have. Kaylin DeBoer, University of Washington football coach, is our guest. Uh, uh, I want to go back to the University of Sioux Falls, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Uh, you know, it's Division II football. I played Division II baseball. I know that that's like the the heart of college competition. It's real college competition. Here you are now in this world world of NIL and transfer portal. How, how different is the job as, as a head coach now versus maybe when you look back at when you first got into it? 
Yeah, I think overall it's, it's quite a bit different. Um, small college to, to big university and so forth, that's obviously, like you said, a big piece of it. Um, so many more donors and, and uh, functions and, you know, people involved. But, um, you know, I think in the last couple of years what's happened with the portal and, and NIL, um, there's just every day. I think uh, something new that uh, you got to have your head on a swivel for, you know, and, um, you know, got good people around me that, uh, you know, all on the same page and and share a like-minded philosophy, whether it's our coaching philosophy or how we want to build our team and where we're headed. Um, So that helps out a lot, but uh, it has certainly changed a lot. That's for sure. Yeah. You talk about good people around you. I think you guys did a good job retaining some assistance that, that people thought you were going to lose. How important is that continuity for a program? Yeah, it's huge. Uh, we kept every assistant and most of our uh, off the field staff. It was really the same as well. Um, so that that just you know again the ease of of all the the things you know you're not re you know reestablishing or re coaching up uh, reteaching your your coaches. You're moving on and evaluating what you did a year ago uh, with everyone on the same page. The understanding of what went well, what didn't go well, in those conversations. You know, there's not a lot of retracing and, and trying to figure it out. You're moving forward and making things better. Yeah, it's interesting because I've been tracking the portal a little bit. And, you know, I, I think you guys, I was surprised that you didn't have more turnover. You had maybe 10 guys that jumped in the portal and have ended up at mm-hmm. other schools. But given that you were, you know, you were a first-year coach last year, I thought there would be more guys who said, okay, I've done it for a year. There must be something about the culture or the locker room or the experience that is a draw for the players who were even there before that you, you know, you didn't recruit, you inherited. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, the guys, uh, I think there's multiple things, right? There's some unfinished business and things that uh, some of the guys look at it and, and some believe in the development that they can get here Ram, with the coaching staff and what we do, whether it's our schemes and concepts or, you know, just a development maybe in the weight room and the belief there. And then, you know, um, just think the the experience, the emotional piece, uh, you know, all of that. Um, I think, you know, the guys, uh, the guys enjoy that, you know, and they feel attached to it and they feel they're a part of, you know, something special, you know, individually and also the, what the program stands for. So, you know, we're fortunate to have a lot of that retention, a lot of that holdover. You said uh, the the words unfinished business. Uh, you, you guys, at the end of the year, I don't think anybody was beating you if you could have got to Vegas. And, I, in fact, I think you were a pretty strong argument for the expanded playoff because I think just the way you were playing and the way your offense was playing in particular, it, it was going to be hard for anybody to stop you. Did you feel like at the end of the year that you were one of the best four teams in the country? Did you feel like you belonged in Vegas? What, the unfinished business part. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, we were playing definitely, like you said, the best football we played all year. Um, and it had been building from probably the middle of the season, uh, end of October into November. Um, we were the healthiest that we had been all year by far. And that led to continuity and, you know, the momentum we were on uh, the, that we had going, um, you know, led to just, I mean, great practices every single day. And, uh, you know, so th- there is a piece where we felt, you know, we were playing really good football and, um, you know, that's, uh, that's, you know, I mean, the competitive piece of us, of course, thinks you can compete with everyone, but we also understand that you have to play the whole season out and you can't, uh, you can't have those hiccups. And, uh, we made ourselves vulnerable and lost a couple of games that, uh, you can't lose. And, um, you know, that cost us in the end, uh, for any of those opportunities you're talking about. 
I think there was, at the beginning of the year, you know, people weren't sure what Michael Penix Jr. was going to be. And by the end of the year, everybody was going, gosh, the kid is going to be a great pro someday. What what makes him special in your mind? Or, you know, we don't see him in practice and in meetings. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's you know, I think there's the talent piece, right? And that's the part you do see. Um, so uh, that is a major part of it. And uh, there was a belief uh, and a confidence that happened, I think, pretty quickly once our, our team saw what he was doing and, you know, the, the winter player run practices, the spring practices uh, into the summer. Um, you know, we didn't declare him the starter until the middle of uh, August. Uh, we wanted to make sure he wanted out and it was a clear cut. And we felt that way. I think we got to that point. Um, but what really makes him special is I think he takes all the experiences, all the coaching. He's had multiple coordinators, um, you know, the ups and downs of his career and how he's responded to adversity. He's got great perspective. He's a very mature guy. And, you know, um, I think last year he probably thought, hey, I'm going to have no regrets and I'm going to you know, live this thing out. And, you know, I think he thought probably last year would have been his final year of college football. Um, you know, and he put everything into it. And uh, here he is now again, you know, now for sure this being his last year of college football and uh, pouring more, even more. You know, uh, when you think you've done it all and put everything into it, uh, you realize that, you know, there's still uh, some more energy and effort and even uh, leadership that he's bringing to our team here uh, this season uh, above and beyond what he did a year ago. You know, I'm looking at your sort of uh, head coaching record over the years. Yeah, you, you didn't lose much in Sioux Falls. You, you know, Fresno State, your your worst, you know, full season was nine and three. You go eleven and two last season. You make it look really easy. It's almost like it, you know, if uh, the you know a, a team, an NFL team that was uh, three and fourteen hired you, they'd be fourteen and three the next year. You make it look easy. I know it's not, but is it process? Is is it the same? whatever level you're at, just sort of building the structure of a program? Well, I think all three of the places I've been a head coach at, there's been kind of the bones of the program. I say it, I say it that way, uh, just where there's a championship, you know, vibe, uh, great support. Um, Sioux Falls, Fresno, and uh, Washington all have this tradition, you know, um, of, of championships. And so I think there's always been that, uh, but I think it's still, you know, uh, putting the people around you. You know, the people that are aligned with, um, you know, uh, the daily, uh, you know, just philosophy that you have and how you want the program run. And, and when you get everyone on the same page, um, the players see it and um, they gain a lot of confidence. And that momentum, I think, just picks up really quick. And, and a lot of the staff, not all of them, but most of the staff uh, were people that, you know, over 20 years of coaching um, I had worked with at different places. And I knew who they were and I knew how hard of workers they are, knew that they were genuine people. And, um, you know, had the same goals in mind that I did. And that's, uh, you know, to, to have no regrets and, go, you know, lay it all in the field and put our work, put work every work every day uh, like it's our last and, um, you know, enjoy the ride. So um, I love the people we got, I think, are always going to be what it's all about. I got great support from administration as well. That helps me out. And, you know, these guys have been awesome. Uh, they never flinched with anything we've ever asked them to do. You've got uh, you've mentioned the administration. I think you've got a great university president in Anna Marie Casse. You've got Jen Cohen, who I think is uh, one of the best ads in the country. And you know, and yet when I, when she hired you, I texted her and I said that is a sneaky good hire. It, what was it like? What was the interview process like with Jen Cohen? Let us in on that because we always hear 
you know, we see the news release, we see the news conference, but, you know, that first meeting you have with her, that first contact where you think, hey, like they're interested in me, I'm interested in them. What is that process like? Yeah, I think every one of them is going to be different. Um, that's the way it's been for me uh, with different hires. Um, you know, there hasn't been a lot of them, but, uh, it, you know, when what I hear and how mine went, I think they're all different. Uh, but it went pretty quickly, um, you know, um, from the time you first talk and some Zoom calls just to get to know uh, to all of a sudden it get kind of, getting kind of serious. Um, you know, you're not talking uh, extended or too long period of time, you know. So, um, you know, just – I mean, a week or so, and, and here you are, you know, uh, with the opportunity. And, you know, you're finally kind of trying to finish out your season uh, that we were at Fresno that time uh, there during Thanksgiving weekend. And, you know, a few days later, you're announced as the head coach. And uh, I can tell you when I coached uh, at Fresno that last game um, on Thanksgiving Day, um, you know, being the head coach at Washington, um, there may have been a small, small chance, um, but really it hadn't even come close to being – far enough down the road where, you know, I felt like that was where I was going to be. Um, I felt like I was definitely at Fresno State. Yeah, you have. I think you'd have to mentally do that, or you couldn't really do your job at the best of your ability. And, you know, did you have questions for Washington, or did you already have enough of a perception of what the program was and the resources that, you know, it was more about just getting comfort with the people you'd be working with? Yeah, I had a pretty good idea. We'd played here in 2017, and I saw – what the environment was when I was at Fresno as a coordinator, um, just a super special place. Uh, I remember having to go silent cadence, so pretty much most of the game. Um, so I knew the crowd support and, uh, was, was an awesome experience and environment. And then I think there was enough people that I had worked with, uh, whether it be Jeff Tedford and his one year consultant here, uh, in 2016, uh, multiple coaching staff members, like a Kirby Moore, who is on my staff at Fresno or friends that were, you know, tied into Chris Peterson, um, the former players of his, like Lee Marks and and uh, and guys like that. I just I had enough of an idea, um, and just kind of looking through and learning more on my own. Um, I knew this was a special place and a place that I definitely, you know, was at the top of the list. Uh, you know, where I could see myself being. Um, I enjoyed my time at Fresno, and it wasn't always about being at the highest. I just wanted to be a great place with great people, and I had a great place there uh, with with the Fresno folks and and, uh, you know, community there as well. This next question, you know, I want to frame it right because I don't mean any disrespect to Oregon or Oregon State, but you, you, you beat both of those teams last season, and both of those games were tight. And, yeah. you know, I always ask people, you know, if you, you you want to play another quarter or not, and I'm kind of looking at the Oregon State game, and I'm wondering, it was such a weird night with the wind. You guys showed a lot of resilience coming back there, kicking the field goal and winning, and then the Oregon game, you're on the road, and you're up against environment, a lot of things. But those two games, can you maybe speak to, you know, what it was like for you to win, to get wins in both of those games? Because those games, it, it could have easily been 0-2. You end up 2-0 and in those games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those, those were huge because we knew we were facing – really good football teams, um, really very well coached and um, had momentum of their own, you know, uh, going and things that they were playing for. And uh, for us to pull those out, um, it meant a lot, you know, and you do it one at a time. And uh, we didn't look as at, at November as a whole. We looked at the first week and then the next week uh, as we were going through it. And, you know, each kind of had, like you said, the, the moments of uh, adversity, um, you know, where our backs are to the wall and, different uh, variables that were coming into play, whether it be weather or 
crowd noise, uh, you know, when you're on the road. And um, I'm just super proud of the way the guys continue to just focus on the moment, um, not let the situations get uh, bigger than they need to be, and uh, just put their best foot forward. And uh, When we continued to learn those things throughout the season, they really came into play. And I saw those moments and uh, the mindset, you know, um, colliding and uh, us coming through and it's something we talk about and we'll talk about, you know, at different times through camp and maybe even the season, you know, uh, the adversity and our responses and, and the belief that you can do anything if you just uh, stick together. The, uh, you know, we don't know you much away from football, but, you know, I know you have a couple of daughters. Um, you know, what do, do you read books? Do you binge watch shows? Do you play the guitar? What's Kalen DeBoer doing if he's not thinking about football? Yeah, my, my getaway is the family. Um, there's not a lot uh, other than, you know, you probably play a, a round or two of golf here and there, um, you know, with some donors and a couple friends and some functions and events that you're at. But uh, it's all about them. I got a junior in high school and a sixth grader. And so uh, they keep me busy. Um, uh, I'm taken away from them quite a bit. But one likes softball, one like hor- likes horseback riding. So uh, anytime I can go <laughs> watch them enjoy doing what they do, um, you know, that that's uh that's a plus and so uh they're in an age where you know seeing dad in the stands or seeing dad uh present you know is a big deal to them and um they support me in a lot of ways they love football and so them being around the players and around the team um and the excitement for the games that are coming up and they're old enough to understand how much uh and what the process looks like year round too and so you know it's uh it's great but that's there's not a lot i wish there was more too probably uh the way that i uh you know, get my mind uh, away from football, but um, you know that's uh, pretty much where 100 percent of it, other than football, goes is with my family. Yeah, is the uh, sixth grader the horseback rider or the softball player? Yeah, she's a, she's the horseback rider. All right. So, do you ride? Do you go out and ride with her, or you just watch? I've, I've never been on a horse in my entire life, so which is crazy <laughs> being from South Dakota and growing up in a rural area, you know. So, but that's uh, the honest truth. So. Yeah, but she teaches so, me a lot. I'm learning yeah. as we go. Yeah, and then do you get to play cat? Is it out? Al- is it Alexis or Avery is the sixth grader? I'm, I I know they're two uh, names. Avery's the youngest one, okay. and then Alexis is the older one. Yep, play softball. All right. Do you get to play catch? Like, do you go out in the front yard and play catch, or you know, is she with her teammates usually when she's doing that and you're watching? Yeah, that, my getaway. Uh, I enjoyed baseball. Got a chance to play when I was in college. Uh, even there a couple of years and. Uh, that's kind of my getaway. Maybe uh, throw 15, 20 minutes of BP here and there yeah. in the cage, and that's that's uh, the getaway. I don't know. I don't sit and coach her much. Uh, that's uh, for her coaches, and you know, let her do her thing. She's been through it, and it's, uh, it's father daughter time when we get to that point. So um, like I that. love it. It's fun being with those guys. All right. So help out the rest of the parents listening, like you know, because you're a coach. And you, you know, you don't want to step on softball coaches' toes, or, or you know, if, if uh, the equestrian uh, riders got a coach, I don't know. But the ride home after games, what what should the ride home after a game be like with a parent and a kid? <laughs> what should it be like, huh? Yes. Um, I, yeah. <laughs> you know, always the question, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel. I mean, I feel pretty strong about uh, the role, especially when you're a coach yourself, um, looking at what's happening in a game. Um, I, uh, I don't really second guess anything that goes on, you know, just there to support and 
you know, pre- tell, tell the coach appreciation for what they do. And, um, you know, I'm, I just really try to let the experiences, uh, what they're going through, um, be, you know, the fun part. I mean, these games are meant to be fun and you, there's so many life lessons that are a part of it. Maybe you talk about that here and there, but uh, not too much more with, you know, why'd you do this or why'd you do that? Coach, I'll catch up with you probably in Vegas, Pac-12 Media Day. Thank you for giving us some of your time. Uh, good luck to you this off season. You bet. Looking forward to seeing you there, and uh, appreciate you having me on. You bet. Kalen DeBoer, University of Washington football coach. Hope you feel like you know him a little better. Uh, we try to get all the coaches on. Uh, Kenny Dillingham's on my radar. I also uh, am efforting Stanford's new coach, Troy Taylor. But uh, some key takeaways there. Uh, we'll talk about the Pac-12 coming up. Michael Penix Jr., he's got a hell of a quarterback coming back. It'll be really interesting to see if Washington can parlay last season into something bigger. And by something bigger, you know, 11-2 and two last year wasn't, quite, wasn't good enough to get them in the Pac-12 title game. I felt like at the end of the year, if we're just being honest and we're stepping back, I felt like Washington was one of the best two teams. I thought, you know, Washington-USC probably was the game that I really wanted to see, right? You know, Washington did it, proved it, was playing the best football down the stretch. But, um, you know, they, they lost an early season game and, and, and a painful one. And 11-2 and two didn't get them there. Can they parlay that? Ray Anderson, Arizona State Athletic Director, speaking out. So is Kirk Schultz, the Washington State President. If you are Chicken Little, you won't like what they're going to say. I'll play it next. I like that interview with Kalen DeBoer. I've been uh, efforting that for a while. Good stuff there. Uh, Leads me to the Pac-12. We're going to talk a lot about the Pac-12 coming up in the 4 o'clock hour. Uh, Also in the 4 o'clock hour, we will get a visit from uh, the strength and conditioning coach at Alabama. Henry Barrera will be joining us here in a few minutes to talk about Brandon Miller and uh, what it's like to be the strength and conditioning coach at Alabama. If you're a Blazer fan, though, you want to know about the work ethic of a possible number three draft pick, uh, the third pick in the NBA draft. We'll talk about it. Um, Takeaways. From the interview with DeBoer, Stephen, Judah, did anything jump out at you with Kalen DeBoer? I just I marvel at the success he's had wherever he's been. He's just one and one and one. He sounds very measured. He sounds very organized, locked in, process oriented. I guess it makes sense. To me, it sounded like he was almost surprised at how good they finished last year. You asked him like. You know, was it? Did you look back on the season and think it was success? Like it sounded like he was almost surprised they go eleven and two, right? Like I feel like it was. He knew they'd be good, but not this good so early. So I thought that was a little interesting. And he's just such a confident guy. Like he knows his stuff. He knows that their offense is going to work. I'm excited to see what Washington does this year. We were kind of on him a little bit last year to be good. I don't know what I feel about him right now, but I know they got a good coach. That's that. That's the one thing I'm for sure about. Yeah, they're they're locked in. Judah, did you have a takeaway in listening to Kalen DeBoer? Uh, you know, nothing really stood out from from the conversation, and I think that's probably the takeaway. Like he's mm-hmm. so consistent in his football mindset that there was there was nothing really edgy. There was nothing really that got your attention. You asked him about the Duck and Beavs wins. He didn't bite, you know, anything in there with the rivalries, and he's just like, yeah, I play golf, I hang out with my family, and I win football games and. You know, so to me, it's more on the field with him and, and his offensive, you know, scheme and in Penix. Penix, DeBoer, the receivers they have coming back, that's really the story in Seattle right now. But outside of that, I didn't really glean anything new. 
To me, yeah, it it makes it sound like we shouldn't have had the interview. Like, I I disagree with that. I I thought we got a pretty good idea of a guy that whose world was spinning in year one. And, you know, he talked about maybe getting settled in. He talked about the retention of his coaches being important. Um, The the fact that I was surprised with the interview process with Jen Cohen because I was under the impression, like, what we saw and what was reported was him getting on this private charter him flying. I had this big idea that they had these big interviews, and he's like, hey, it was a couple of Zoom calls. I kind of knew who they were about. And, you know, she was obviously very interested in him. And keep in mind, you know, for people out there, Dan Lanning's hire, Lincoln Riley's hire, the Kalen DeBoer hire flew way under the radar, flew way under the radar at the time. I think it was sneaky good. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Baltimore. Hey, sorry to interrupt the podcast, but... If you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.